Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. With two ways to win and no rate. Circa Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circa Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircaSports.com for details. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 and AM 760 in Hawaii. And as we are every Friday, the Sports Map Radio Network. I am joined by G. Hey Wiley, Armani Buckets, Brandon Deutsch, Jake Dicker, full house today. How are we doing? I was just about to say, I'm like, this is the probably the most heavy it's ever been for for this show as far as everybody that's in here right now. Literal full house. Yeah, I mean, Jake, if you came in on Wednesday and Jihei was here, then we'd have Kayla, too. It'd be like six people oh my gosh. in here. <laughs> uh, that'd be the, maybe next Wednesday. Yeah, it's a, it's a great it's a great day today. It feels awkward now because not only, you know, we have a jam-packed, room but now the schedule for sports is going to be more spaced out which is something <laughs> we get a game every three days after we're used to all more analysis more analysis <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm i'm excited it's good to see everyone back and get a get a full house got a lot of different opinions a lot of different voices you know can't hurt it's great it's uh it's a far cry ga from when we began this show in my <laughs> living room just you and i in a uh trying to figure out if we had the podcast equipment to make this happen, and now we are in a professional studio with a full crew, and this is fantastic. We do have a lot to get into today, so uh, let's get to the rundown today, brought to you by Circa Sports. Circa Millions and Circa Survivor Pro Football Contests are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Visit CircaSports.com for details. Hit it, Jihei. Well, my boy Al Horford finished with 26 points and the Boston Celtics outscored the Golden State Warriors 40-16 to in the final 12 minutes after trailing by 15 points late in the third quarter. Horford, the 15th year big man who turns 36 today. Happy he's, birthday. He's still young. He's still <laughs> so young. Uh, played in 141 previous postseason games, Arash. The most ever before playing in the NBA Finals. It's just one game. But did Game 1 make you rethink how the NBA Finals will play out? I was so high on the Warriors. I thought for sure they would win Game 1. I was feeling very confident about my pick when they were up by 15 in the uh, third quarter. And then slowly but surely as the Celtics came back, I thought about Brandon. I thought about Nick Hamilton. I, th- I thought about all these people out there who said, listen, Celtics might find a way to steal Game 1. And I mean, listen, I, I did not think that, that was going to happen up 15 at a raucous chase center in San Francisco. Again, you go back to the championship pedigree. They know how to close out games. They know how to close out a series. So for them to blow a game like that, and now the Celtics, I mean, they're kind of playing with house money right now. I mean, can they find a way to win 2-2-0 in the series going back to Boston? I don't think so. I'm I'm not going to change my pick. I do think um, it'll still be Warriors, but I am perhaps leaning towards the series prediction of some of our guests, which is 
Warriors in in seven. I thought it could be Warriors in five or six. I do think the Warriors still find a way to win this series, but I think it'll be Warriors in seven. Yeah, it's funny. I called it um, yesterday. One of my Celtics friends was like, "Oh man, this is this is terrible. They're down 15 entering the fourth." I said. Ime Adoka is a great coach. This is a well-coached team. They're going to come back and make it close at least and likely win this game. I don't know. I just got a feeling that the Warriors would just get stagnant at times. We saw this in the Memphis series. It's very concerning because the Warriors did not blow a lead in the fourth quarter in that Memphis series, really. Um, and this is the first time we've seen this. This is kind of unexpected from them, and that's why it's a little concerning. The Celtics are... It's weird because whenever you're an underdog going into a series, and they're, they're the under dogs right and they have that underdog mentality like Derek white d2 colorado you know up there and then a 36 year old al horford leading your team to victory over this machine it's a confidence booster the warriors really it's a must win game too for the warriors i think they get it done steph curry it's promising that steph curry was finally good uh, in the finals not saying he wasn't before he was but finally like one of the best performances at least in the first quarter that we've ever seen from a player Look, the, no one's denying Boston can win this series, but I'm still I'm still taking the Warriors in six, seven. I know I said five, six. I changed my pick. It was originally Warriors in seven, and then I was like, I love this machine, Warriors in five or six. And part of that was the Celtics hated me, but you know, it sucks that this team is the Celtics because there's so many players on this team that are fun to like root for. They're underdogs. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know the the interesting part. Sorry about interrupting you, but the interesting part is that their star didn't even make the the dent, right? Jason yeah. Tatum, three 12, out of seventeen, twelve points. I mean, defensively, he did a re- he did a lot better than he that I was expecting because defensively, he's not the the highest on the totem pole, right, for that squad. But twelve points from from Tatum. Um, Jalen Brown, 24, which you expect. Marcus Smart, 18 points. Yep. I mean, that's pretty That's pretty solid for Marcus Smart. Four and out then, of seven from three, too. Right? And, and then you have Horford out there throwing bombs all day 20, with 26 points, which, like, that's the, that's the reason for this team to blow up, right? That's the t- reason for why you think everybody can think that this team can finally actually win. And I think that they're... Um, statistically, I think like they went up a lot af- yeah. after this yeah. game one of if they could win the uh, the NBA title, which doesn't really shock me because you know, of that defense. Before Jake, before you go, I, I was just saying yesterday I was mentioning that um, shooting wise, the Warriors had them beat statistically in all advanced statistics. But yesterday, the Celtics shot with the Warriors, especially in the second half, and that is extremely concerning because the Warriors they they just their defense did not look good yesterday especially in the second half, and that's concerning because if the Celtics can continue to hit threes like that when their best player, like GA mentioned, is not playing great, Man, this could be a quick series if they get. I mean, they're going to make adjustments, but you you get what I mean. Yeah, I was going exactly where Jihei went with that. If you were going to tell me before Game One that Jason Tatum was going to shoot three for seventeen uh, in San Francisco, Warriors are up one nothing. Uh, Steph has twenty one points in the first six threes. Seems like a wrap. Um, but then you get forty seven combined points from Al Horford and Derek White, who took over the fourth quarter. Um, I'm not going to budge from my Warriors in six prediction just yet, um, but. The Celtics able to steal game one on the road in a game where Jason Tatum shot three for 17 from the field is massive. Yeah, no, um, b- before you go on with that, I just find it interesting. I, I don't know, this this 
<laughs> that everybody is literally everybody is going Warriors and six, Warriors and seven right now. And with this game, I mean, you got to change your mind a little bit, right? You got to tweak it a little. It's one game. You can't get too high, too uh, low. We'll, we'll turn into Skip Bayless or Nick Wright if we do that. But the percentage of them winning the the entire thing um, by winning this game one is a lot higher than if they had lost game one and the Warriors were, and then we'd still be high on the Warriors. I mean, Power Index gave them an 85% chance to win. <laughs> I would say that the, the telling sign with Jason Tatum in this game was a minute into the game, he airballed a shot by like seven or eight feet, which you never see from him. And that was a sign that he was really nervous in his, obviously in his first finals game, understandably so. But the thing is, it was, going into his defense as well a lot of steph's 21 points in the first quarter were off simple either drop coverage or missed defensive assignments which the celtics with no finals experience people were talking about that that's when it showed up and then all of a sudden al horford gets in his comfort zone jalen brown settles in marcus smart settles in and all and now you go into game two jason tatum should feel much more relaxed because he knows his supporting cast can step up and deliver my thing with the warriors is when Andrew Wiggins and Klay Thompson and Steph are all hunting for their shots, as they should be, it affects Jordan Poole. Poole is not able to get in a rhythm, and if he's your second best guy offensively, which some nights he is, some nights he's not, he can't just have seven shot attempts, nine points, when you're talking about Klay and Wiggins combined for 29 shot attempts and Poole gets seven. It seems like the disparity's off. Draymond, two for 12. He took shots that he probably should have taken because they were there, they were open, and people, when he passes those up, people say, well, you should be shooting those. He just has to make them. And if he makes a couple of those in the third quarter, the lead probably is like 17 to 19, and now it's probably less manageable for the Celtics to even consider making a comeback. Going forward, I really, I still like Boston a lot. I think that those defensive miscues are going to be fixed. And then also, they had an answer. The Warriors went zone. The Celtics knew exactly what to, what to do. They copied the Mavericks recipe against the zone, although the Mavericks obviously did not have much success against it until maybe game four. I, I like Boston going forward. I think Celtics in six. Yeah, and the one great thing about Tatum too is that he is he has changed his game in the fact that he is looking at film like it is a religion. Right. So like that's like the huge change in his game that he's been doing. And he's been very, very vocal about that and knowing that he's going to do that. Uh, I know we've been giving Jason Tatum a lot of uh, a lot of flack right now, but 13 assists, you know, yeah. great players find a way to you know get things done when they're not you know shooting the ball well. Um, 13 assists, uh, being the facilitator on the floor was huge for the Celtics. Last yeah, night. you're a dookie. You, you got to do better than that, bro. Got to do better than that. But I will say this: it is great to have a good or great game again, a great comeback, a great closeout. Not close at the end, but again, to come back from 15 points down. We've talked about it. This postseason has been the worst in terms of blowouts. Again, when you get to the, the postseason you get to the semifinals conference finals the number of 30 20 30 and even 40 point blowout uh wins has been crazy so again happy to have a game where oh my god you're thinking this is another blowout 15 points and then the team comes back so hopefully this is a sign of the yeah it's gonna be a, have a good long it's gonna be a competitive series, series for yeah. sure yeah we're, we're lucky finally <laughs> feeling, feeling like the stanley cup playoff <laughs> it, took, it took a it took a long time but we finally yeah. got a really good game well the nba commissioner adam silver talked to the media before the nba finals and shot down the idea of an expansion happening in the near term although he reiterated um it is something that the league 
will do again at some point. He went on to say one potential issue is the dilution of talent as a result of expansion. Do you guys agree with Silver's assessment and what two markets should the NBA expand into? So where there's smoke, there's fire and there will be a team in the not too distant future in Las Vegas and then one more in Seattle. The Seattle thing, they have to correct that. They messed that one up. It is amazing what a sports town Seattle has become. It was a great sports town before, but when you look at the Seattle Sounders and the Seattle Seahawks and the 12th man, what they've really done there, it is a fantastic sports town. They got hockey back there um, and they will get a, a team. Vegas, Seattle makes sense. You'll hear a lot of talk about the other towns like Kansas City and Mexico City and all that. It will be Las Vegas. It will be Seattle. Uh, it, it makes sense for the commissioner not to talk about that because nothing is set in stone. The dilution of talent, though, Brandon, yeah. that's going to be a problem. That's, the number of two-way guys that they have, I mean, leads me to believe that that's not a, a problem no, right now. No, I mean, this is, look, I have all the respect in the world for the commissioner but this is one of the dumbest statements he's ever made. Um, I know he's trying to defend not talking about the expansion, but when I mean, COVID when, this year showed that there's so many good players on the street in the G League that just need an opportunity. I mean, Max Struess, Stanley Johnson, Omar Yurtsevin, all these guys, when COVID happened, stepping up, coming from G League backgrounds and dominating, the dilution of talent isn't the problem. This is the most talented the NBA has been ever from top to bottom. Maybe not as star-driven as like Magic Bird, that era, or the early 2000s with Shaq, Kobe, all that stuff. But from top to bottom, this is the best set of athletes in G League, in NBA, and it's all about opportunity. And yes, it's going to be Seattle. It's going to be Las Vegas. We might hear some Vancouver type stuff um, you know with the expansion of popularity um, the increase in popularity in in um, Canada with basketball huge huge basketball uh, country now uh, but this is this is just something that silver does when there's nothing set in stone he's a politician when it comes to this he'll avoid it and make some excuse to say oh dilution of talent no that's yeah. not going to be the problem two things on that when you talk to players and coaches who were around the league when they had a team in vancouver it was their favorite city for a variety of reasons they love vancouver when you put a team in seattle you correct what happened in seattle but also you get a team very close to canada again it's not canada but seattle well, right it's, there. It, yeah it's also disrespectful because seattle's a basketball city a in my opinion no that was one the biggest the, blunder in stern yeah. again stern had a fantastic career uh but what, he what made two did, mistakes that and then he didn't let Chris Paul come to the Lakers and I'll never forgive him for that even in his grave I'm sorry I'll never forgive him you guys still want a ring though so let it go we would have won five we would have won five and we wouldn't be complaining about the Celtics championship run right now stop I highly David Stern he's in my nightmares like every night but who knows Chris Paul probably would have choked so I mean no no offense to Chris Paul no, I, I mean proofs in the pudding though. I mean if you look if you look at what he's done in the NBA and what he's done in the finals and what he's done throughout his career as far as that, I mean I, I don't I agree with you. Yeah. I, he probably would have yeah, Before we move on, I think the main point here is that Seattle is a basketball city. It needs yes. a team. It desperately needs a team. One of the best basketball cities in the country. And they still just starving for um 
an organization and they'll get one soon absolutely well moving on with adam silver um also said the idea of a mid-season tournament remains on the table and he said he'd potentially be open to discussions of shortening the season but only if it could be proven to help mitigate injuries thoughts on mid-season tournaments and or shortening the nba season so guys. here's the thing they are not going to shorten the number of games played uh, mainly because that is how teams make money right they sell tickets and they sell merchandise and parking and all that stuff but it's finding a way to make those games count. I mean, since the 1999, we've had a 50-game season. We've had a 62-game season. We've had a 70-game season. So, you know, you know, they can shorten it at the end of the game, whether it's a mid-season tournament or something. These guys will, when I say these guys, if you have a team, you need to fill those seats. I mean, the amount of money they lost with no fans in these seats, they are not going to shorten games. They are going to maybe shorten the regular season, but in lieu of those games, they will have a mid-season tournament, and I don't know if that counts. I don't know if that matters. I mean, who cares about a mid-season tournament? I mean, that's not a championship. Um, I'm very on the fence about the whole mid-season tournament thing. I'm such a purist when it comes to sports. I don't love major change in the big four sports. Um, I'm not looking forward to the expanded MLB playoff, um, 162 games. If you don't win your division, you play one game for the wild card. Um, but I do think we need to find a way to make these games count. I don't think that uh, fans showing up and seeing their, their favorite players sitting on the sideline for you know rest, um, time off, load management is a good product for the NBA. Um, so I think finding a way to make those games count in some capacity is, is definitely the right direction for the league. I, I'm with you. I think that the midseason tournament is honestly a yes and a no idea because yes, because you can shorten the season in terms of games and make those games count for more, but no, because I'm also very traditional when it comes to how the league is formatted. And the thing is, I don't know how it was when, when you were growing up, Arash, but for our generation, um, the younger millennials, Kobe showed that ring culture was really what was significant. It was about winning the championship. And now every one of these moves, I feel like is lessening the impact of what winning a championship does. Similar to the move we were talking about the other week. What was it that we were discussing? The right? Western and Eastern Conference right. Finals, MVP. Finals MVP. Another dumb decision. I don't get these because it's like, if the goal is to win a championship, then why are we adding a trophy here, a trophy there, a participation? Because you guys here? are the generation of everybody gets a trophy. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is yeah. yeah no, they, no you we, are. we grow up in this is the weakest generation of like. <laughs> yeah, you guys grew yeah. up with everybody gets a trophy, participation, MVP, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I don't. This is where the dilution of the product come, comes into play. Is the Eastern Conference um, Finals MVP, the Western Conference Finals MVP. Yeah. Like that's where the dilution comes in. You know, the problem is he's he's comparing it to soccer, and I love the Premier League. But the reason that those championships matter is because of the history. You have the Premier League title, the Champions League title, the, the, the FA Cup. That that's significant because it's been around for a hundred years. I don't think you could start that tomorrow and say, by the way, there is a mid-season uh, championship it's, trophy. It doesn't just, mean anything. Well, and also, don't you get kicked out of your league? If you like in the Premier, in the, pre league. In the Premier yeah. league, I'm but I'm just saying, like, stuff like that doesn't exist in the NBA. And it's not saying. going yeah. to. This will be a huge blemish on Adam Silver if he implements this. I mean, this is Mickey season. Mouse, yeah, on, on the Twitter stuff. I know they say Mickey Mouse ring with the Lakers, but this is a legitimate Mickey Mouse decision. This is a clown show decision if they put in the tournament. 
It just yeah. doesn't make I, sense to me. Be, but but I get his point, Jake, that he's got to figure out a way to make these games. Yeah, count yeah, of course. Matter. But it's not like this. It's not like it's this. not like this. But I don't know what the solution is. I mean, I actually don't know because we talked about this during the course of the postseason. What can they do? I mean. A 40-point blowout, a 30-point blowout in the playoffs. I don't really think the league can do anything about that. If if there's a tournament implemented, there needs to be a serious enough weight put on these games where the star players want to play. Because if not, it's just another, you know, it's a reason for them to sit out and rest up for the playoff run that's going to come in a couple A lot of, of it could be contractual, too. Like, right. you can put right. into new contracts once the CBA is changed right. that you have to play a certain number of games to earn that money. And that would be a huge influence on this player's, you know, playing. Otherwise, Kawhi and LeBron are just going to have load management. Pulled. I mean, yeah, money talks, guys, at the end of the day. Like, if they it have... Also walks. Some, yeah, that's very true, 100%. <laughs> but... Uh, I think like maybe if you just add those incentives like in NFL contracts if you add those incentives of those midseason tournaments or whatever then th those guys will be in there I'm, I'm assuming that that's what's going to happen where th these yeah. guys have to make money right the league has to make money in order for this midseason tournament to be viable the, the one thing that I would be cool with because this we have a global sport here is if they're the champion from the NBA played the champion from Spain of course you know, I mean, just something more fun. And, I, and I'm and i not even saying that this has to be during the season. But I do like the fact that they're going to Paris. I like the fact that like they're trying to grow and expand the game. But putting on a mid-season tournament with the trophy. No one wants to raise a trophy in March or February. You know what I'm saying? I, I, this, this has to be something that the players want. And again, the league has to figure out a way for these games to matter during the course of the season. It is a long season, so you got to figure out a way for these games to count during the season. Again, it's a lot of money to go watch these teams play. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined by our good friend Michael Duarte. When we come back here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the fan in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with 12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports with two ways to win and no rate. Circuit Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circus Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with 12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircusSports.com for details. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. The Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. In the Sports Map Radio Network, just as a reminder, if you have a question or a comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Los Angeles, Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, let's now go to the uh, Circus Sports guest hotline. Circa Millions and Circus Survivor Pro Football Contest with $12 million in guaranteed prizes are back. Visit CircusSports.com for details. And here he is, the birthday boy himself, Michael Duarte. Michael, how are you doing? Uh, Raj, I'm doing good. Just had my 21st birthday yesterday. That's so. right. 
You can finally legally drink. Congratulations, Michael. Uh, the Dodgers uh, gave you a nice present after a crazy, his- when I say historic, I mean first time in 22 years, uh, swept by the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. They beat the New York Mets. It kind of encapsulate these last uh, this last week for, for the team. You know, they got swept by the Pirates, but I think the expectation is they will bounce back. What is happening right now? What's happening right now, Arash, is that we're – Seen baseball, the the unpredictable yeah. nature of baseball playing out in front of our eyes. You know, there's no other really sport where uh, a, a struggling team like the Pittsburgh Pirates can come into Dodger Stadium for the first time in over 22 years and sweep a series uh, against the Dodgers in their home ballpark like they did. And then all of a sudden, the hottest team in Major League Baseball comes in. Uh, and the Dodgers beat him. That is just kind of the nature of the game. And, and you know what we can say? Uh, he's like a he's like a fireman, Arash, that is only called in after when he is needed and summoned when there is trouble. And so the NL ERA leader, Tony Gonsolin, who is a perfect 6-0 on the season, came in to stop that Dodgers three-game losing streak. And he did just that. And right now, Arash, this guy's pitching like he could be the ace of the staff. And he's also pitching, if he can keep this up for the month of June, like he's going to be an MLB all-star at home at Dodger Stadium when that all-star game happens in mid-July. So Tony Gonsolin, he is great. (laughs) Michael Armand here. Happy birthday, by the way. First off, we got to start with that. Um, In terms of the NBA Finals last night, I think everybody was pretty shocked that the Warriors collapsed in that fourth quarter. What were your thoughts on Game 1, and what is your outlook looking like for the rest of the NBA Finals? Yeah, thanks, Armand. That was that was a very interesting and one thing we predicted. A, this was the matchup that we've been talking about for weeks on your show that that I predicted would be happening right now. Uh, I also predicted for Jihei that we'd have some closer, more exciting games uh, than we did in the previous rounds, which I think we did uh, up until the final seconds when Boston finally took that double digit lead. So you know, this is a game where Steph Curry, Steph Curry comes out. Hotter than the prodigal son hitting, I think, six, a record six threes in the first quarter. He kept it up into the third quarter, and then Steve Kerr sends him to the bench like he had done uh, you know, throughout the regular season. Uh, I do, that was the decision I thought was a game-changing decision because as soon as Steph Curry went to the bench, the Celtics were able to erase that 12-point deficit that they were in. Uh, and then once they tried to bring Steph Curry back, it was too late. That, that double-digit lead the Warriors had vanished quicker than my paycheck during tax season. Uh, and, and it was, just felt like an avalanche. The Celtics, uh, especially led by Al Horford, who's probably going to be the first 50-year-old to, to win an NBA title, uh, seemed to just be on fire from deep and really lead that team and spark that comeback. And by the time that, that like I said, like an avalanche, by the time that thing had gathered steam, it was too late. The, the Warriors were not able to do anything about it. So uh, I wonder if in that situation, I know Steph Curry was asked about it after the game, uh, and he said, you know, there's only six games left on the year, so we're going to have to start doing things differently in order to eat even this series. So if the situation was the same, if he was that hot uh, and, and the lead starts to evaporate when he goes out, I wonder if Steve Kerr brings him in sooner uh, to try to get him going and try to stop the bleeding in that case. Yeah, I mean, but Michael, here's what I'm trying to figure out with these finals. You know, when, when you're watching this all play out, are, are, I, 
think you, I'm safe to say you are a Lakers fan. Do you root? Do you root for a team? Because it's listen. I I don't think a lot of Laker fans want to root for a team from San Francisco. But you can't root for the Celtics. So uh, the fan in you, Michael Duarte. Who are you cheering for? Yeah, of course I'm rooting for the Warriors. There is no Lakers fan out there that can root for the Celtics. I'm sorry. It's just, and I saw you post to Ross like the biggest rivalries for the LA teams. Uh, there is no bigger rivalry than Lakers and Celtics and how outside of Dodgers Giants, obviously as well, but there is no way you can root for the Celtics in this matchup. I don't care who you are. I, and, and look, I respect Jason Tatum. I love the fact that he's honoring Kobe Bryant in these playoffs, that he had a, a relationship with him, that he wore Kobe's armband for that game seven. If he could, he could wear a Kobe Jersey and a Kobe armband for every single game of these finals against the Warriors. And I'm still rooting for the Warriors. There's no way I'm rooting for the Celtics uh, in that matchup. One thing, and speaking of Jason Tatum, who, who, you know, is a Kobe fan who got to work out with Kobe and build a relationship with Kobe and Kobe tasked him with uh, the ability to go out there and, and do something like this. You know, I'm sure Kobe's excited for Jason Tatum individually, but even Kobe from heaven is rooting for the Warriors to win this, this finals. He does not want to see the Celtics pass the Lakers for the most titles in NBA history. But Jason Tatum guys went three for 17 from the field, one for five from three in game one. He did not have a good offensive game. I know he had 13 assists, So that's the sign of a true great player who's able to know when their shots not falling to find a different way to contribute. But I don't think he's going to be shooting that poorly the rest of the series. So in my opinion, when Steph Curry was as hot as he was with uh, the 30, what, eight points or 36 points, that he, 34 points that he scored, I don't think you can, you know, the Celtics went out there and stole a game is what I'm trying to, to say. I don't think the Warriors can be too happy with Jason Tatum playing that poorly, Steph Curry playing that great, and you end up losing that game. Michael, I want to circle back around to the Dodgers. Um, pitching's been great all year, leading the league in ERA, although uh, Craig Kimbrell hasn't exactly been nails back into the bullpen, although he's 11-12 to 12 in save opportunities. Do you see them giving anyone else opportunities um, at, the, at the end of games, or do you think Kimbrell's going to be their guy moving forward? No, Kimbrell's definitely your closer. That's been his role his entire career. He is the current active saves leader in Major League Baseball, so he's got the most saves going than any active pitcher right now. Uh, you know, that's, that's a very tough role to just throw someone into. Uh, and what we've seen, though, is because of Craig Kimbrell's advanced age, speaking of, uh, of Al Horford, uh, that he's going to not probably pitch more than two, two days at a time. Uh, so that means if you've seen Craig Kimbrell in two straight appearances, like let's say the, the, the Dodgers were to come out and get another save here on Friday night, uh, and then they were in another three-runner-less game, on, uh, on Saturday, excuse me, uh, then you're probably not going to see Kimbrell in that situation. Uh, my guess is you'd see a guy like Daniel Hudson, uh, who has been a closer previously uh, with the Washington Nationals, won a World Series with the Nationals, beating the hated Houston Astros in a Game 7, famously throwing his glove up into the air after that. So you could see him in that role, try to earn a save opportunity. Uh, Bruzard Ratterall, who, who's pitched well, uh, and just has electric stuff. When you can throw a 100-plus-mile-per-hour sinker ball, uh, that's something that you don't see very often in the major league. So that's a guy who could get some run. And, you know, we had talked about this before the season. He's not healthy right now, but when Blake Trinan eventually comes back, hopefully, that's a guy that I think they trust in any situation, including a potential save situation late in the game. But I only see that happening if uh, Craig Kimbrell has, has pitched two days in a row and is just unable to go three straight. So, that's something to watch out for. But he did bounce back. And let's keep in mind, you know, 
we kind of saw this coming. He'd been giving up runs in that situation. So the first time he has, he enters a game uh, in a one run game, he obviously blows the save, but let's not take Freddie Freeman off the hook for who I spoke to after that game. He missed that play. He made an error, uh, ended up causing the winning run to come in and score. Uh, things could have been a lot different if he makes that play and he's a gold glover. He normally should make that play. And then Freddie took responsibility for that loss, not saying it was anything about Craig Kimbrell, uh, after that, that loss to the Pirates. Michael, I wanted to ask you about the Angels. I know you primarily cover the Dodgers, well, also Cal teams, but you know you've been covering the Dodgers a lot recently. The Angels have lost eight straight games. They were twenty-seven and uh, seventeen, and now they're only two games over five hundred. They enter a series against the Phillies. The schedule doesn't get any easier. They play the Dodgers coming up. They play the Mets. Um, what are your thoughts here with the issues of this team? I know the pitching's been inconsistent, but the hitting that was considered one of the best lineups in the league, you know, has gone stagnant. Do you see anything, anything that the Angels can do to improve and get back to, you know, their first postseason appearance in years, like on that trajectory? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, the schedule's not working out in their favor. They're playing the best team in baseball with the best record in baseball right now, and the Yankees. The weather's not working out for them as as all either. You know, with some delays and some postponements, that means they have to play some some double headers and. And so that's been tough. And look, like a guy like Reed Detmers, who threw a no-hitter earlier in the season, and it's great to see guys do that. And it wasn't like he extended himself with 120-some-odd pitchers or anything in that game. And he got out there and uh, pitched well in his start yesterday, but obviously not well enough to get the win, and the Yankees go on to win that game on Thursday. But uh, this was inevitable as, um, you know, as I said, as a dog barking at a cat when he sees him in the window, an analogy I use a lot. The, the Angels seemingly start hot almost every season, not as hot as they did this year, but eventually they come back down to earth. Arash knows this. We've seen it year after year. The good thing for them is there's that extra playoff spot. So uh, hopefully they can stay in that, you know, second wild card, third wild card spot for most of the season. Uh, and have a chance to still make the postseason so we can finally see Mike Trout uh, and Shohei Otani together in the postseason. As far as what they can do to kind of bounce back, you know, Armani, this is baseball. This is just what we end up seeing uh, from teams. They're going to have lows, but the Dodgers just got swept by the Pirates for for Pete's sake. So um, I think they just got to stay the course and not panic. That would be my recommendation for the Angels. Uh, Not having watched them as closely, but just knowing that the success they had and knowing that this is a little lull right now, just try to stay the course. They don't have any severe injuries or anything. So that's good. Um, like we said, the pitching has been inconsistent, but the pitching is always inconsistent. And usually what happens with the angels is something happens. Mike Trout goes on the IL or a starting pitcher goes on the IL and we start to see them fall in the standings. So in this case, they're healthy, uh, stay the course, continue to trust the process and the work that you put in each and every day, uh, in your game. Uh, and eventually things will kind of start to turn your way. That's just the nature of baseball, and that's what I would recommend for the Angels. Uh, plus, we got so much off-the-field things going on with the Angels right now. They really need to focus on the day-to-day and what they can control and not things like uh, the stadium going up for sale or not being sold and things like what's going on with uh, former team PR person Eric Kay and in his trial and stuff. So they really just need to focus on themselves, and, and they'll write the ship eventually. But uh, I don't know if they're going to necessarily – you know, finish in first place in that division. It's a tough division. And now we see the range Rangers in their rearview mirror led by Corey Seager, who's looking like an MVP candidate in the American league. So, uh, if they just continue to, to focus on themselves and say the task, what they can control, they'll bounce back. 
So, Michael, the uh, Lakers finally make it official. D Darvin Ham, the uh, new head coach, it took them a week after, you know, word kind of leaked. Uh, listen, I, I think um, this is one of those hires that I really like. I did not want a retread. I, you know, no knock on Doc Rivers, who we've, you know, got, got, who we've gotten to know pretty well during his time in Los Angeles, Terry Stotts. But I like the hiring of him. Your thoughts, Michael? Yeah, the Lakers did finally make it official early Friday morning. Uh, we, you and I, Arash, have been waiting for that announcement for a while. Yeah. Now's going to come. When's the press conference going to be, which I, I would imagine and hope would be after the NBA Finals. Um, you know, there's a lot of, of things when it comes to Darvin Ham. You know, like we said, I was a little surprised. First of all, I was not surprised that he ended up getting the job, as I said, because I knew that was uh, LeBron James's guy. I think I told you last week on the show before it leaked that he was the choice that he was the front runner and I knew he was the front runner because that was the guy that LeBron wanted um, to, to take that job. And I didn't know if there was a whole lot of uh, smoke to the rumors that, that LeBron actually wanted to go get Doc Rivers or anything, a guy who wasn't even available technically. So uh, I'm not surprised that he ends up being the choice of the finalists that was said. Uh, I'm a little surprised the Lakers with the roster that they have, with the problems that they had last season, go from a championship caliber coach in Frank Vogel to a guy who's never had any head coaching experience in Darvin Ham. But if you head over to NBCLA, my, my, uh, my story I did on five facts on Darvin Ham, you'll learn a lot about this guy. Uh, he's been through a lot in his life. It's kind of changed the way he, he sees the game and his perspective on the game. Uh, as far as the fact that he's been through shootings and, fights and just grow up in a tough neighborhood like Saginaw, which is actually where Draymond Green who's yeah. playing the finals is from as well. So uh, all that life experience has taught him not to take anything for granted and it's given him a different perspective on the game. As I mentioned also, he's a player's coach, so he's hopefully going to be able to connect to these players in a different way. And as I've talked to the players uh, throughout the season last year and even in this offseason, some of the players on the Lakers, they said, you know, more than half of what a coach does other than X's and O's is trying to manage egos and personalities on a roster on the bench. That's what Phil, Phil Jackson was able to do so well. That's why he was called the Zen master. So if Darvin Ham can live up to his reputation as a player's coach and be able to put his arm around guys and get them to give them his all uh, because they want to play for him, then that he might be successful in that. And as we're seeing with Udoka, a first-year coach with zero head coaching experience prior, but everyone knew eventually he'd get a job. What he's doing with the Celtics, taking them all the way to the finals, and right now with a lead in the NBA finals, it tells you that you don't necessarily need that many years of head coaching experience uh, to have something special go on. And we didn't just see that with Adoke. We saw that with, with Willie Green, with the Pelicans. We saw that with a number of guys uh, who didn't have a whole lot of head coaching experience who have been successful so far. So I think the Lakers are hoping to do the same thing and catch lightning in the bottle. Michael, last one for you. A lot of talk about the Rams now. Donald, I think we were both of the mindset that he will come back. I think that, 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 that's still the uh, thought process. He is invited, of course, to Sean McVay's wedding, and that'd be a heck of a wedding present for um, him to sign that contract extension. Michael, your thoughts uh, on what's happening with the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams right now. Yeah, Arash, where's our invite to Sean McVay's wedding? I mean, <laughs> you might now. already be there, I don't know, but apparently <laughs> Rosh and I are about as welcome as Sean McVay's wedding as a part in an elevator right now. But oh to answer your question about the Rams, yeah, I mean, we heard these rumors about, about Aaron Donald, and you look, we knew Aaron Donald wasn't coming back. You don't post videos of you training to come back for the NFL. You don't call up 
uh, um, Bobby Wagner and recruit him to come to the team if you're not planning on coming back. My opinion, this is a negotiating tactic by Aaron Donald to continually throw out these retirement rumors. I do agree with him that he had been telling people before he ever suited up and played in an NFL game that he might only want to go, you know, eight or nine years, and he's right there right now. But this guy, as a Russian I know from partying throughout the Super Bowl and after the Super Bowl, that winning is addictive, that hosting that Lombardi trophy and cradling like a baby and burping it is exactly what you want to do at the end of each season. And he has a window here with the Rams for the next three to five years, which is three more years left on his current contract. Probably the extension he's looking for will get him past that window. Uh, That with the core they have with the Rams, there's a a title window there to win more championships. And so uh, I sometime after the Sean McVay wedding, when they all celebrate on the dance floor, similar to when, uh, the Dodgers re-signed Justin Turner and Kenley Jansen during Kenley Jansen's wedding. Uh, something will get done here very, very soon. I, I think we'll see Aaron Donald uh, back in number 99 uh, in that blue and gold and blue and yellow that we see uh, in the Rams minicamp by next week and a new contract extension here in the next week or so. Well, yeah. I mean, I was really shocked when that even became a story. So, again, hopefully that happens. Um, listen, I mean, this is on paper, Michael. Once again, uh, if not the favorites, one of the top two or three. So, um, yeah, looking good. Michael, you're the best. Looking forward to doing this again uh, next Friday. Thank you so much, my friend. Anytime, and we'll get a birthday drink here hopefully pretty soon. Yes, love it. Talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. There he goes, the birthday boy, uh, Michael uh, Duarte. Before we close out on a Friday, we do have to get into what we are looking forward to uh, this weekend. I think I know what Jihei is looking forward to. you got to believe her. <laughs> New York Rangers continuing their pursuit of returning to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, me, I will start. I am looking forward to these finals. We actually have a good series in place. I still like the Warriors, but listen, really looking forward to what I believe is a must-win game, too, for Golden State. But, Jihei, what are you looking forward to this weekend? I mean, you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> Let's go, Rangers. Let's go. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, just exci- I'm just excited that they're even here, right? I'm excited that they're even vying for a cup and vying for the Eastern Conference right now. So I'll be um, glued to the television wherever it may possibly be, whether it's at work or whether it's at home. I'll be watching the New York Rangers hopefully vie for a Stanley Cup. Um, I'm looking forward to the Angels getting a win, hopefully, against the Phillies. Um, Phillies just what fired the their manager. Eight straight? No. Uh, yeah, not nine straight? <laughs> nine I don't know. Straight, I, right. I, I think that's they'll win right. tonight. Uh, it's on ESPN+. Plus. Um, also looking forward to the Warriors. But one game. Look, There's so many days in between. We only have one finals game this weekend. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that, well, you know what? Good to get the rest finally, but, man, that is a long That is a long Yeah. Uh, Dodgers-Mets, t- yeah. two best teams in the National League, especially the Dodgers coming off. The sweep uh, with Pittsburgh, need to right the ship. Would love to take at least three or four. Split would be, you know, not great, but we'll take it. Um, yeah, it's just two, the two best teams in the National League. Doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, I'm definitely NBA Finals. It sucks that it's, like you guys mentioned, Sunday, but, I mean, that's we got to get used to it at some point. This is going to be the norm from now on. I'm also on the bandwagon, Jihei. If you will allow it, uh, let's go Rangers. Oh, uh, well, we'll take as many fans as humanly possible. Are you kidding me? I mean, the Ra- I'm not going to lie to you guys. The Rangers are not the, the highest on the totem pole when it comes to New York sports, obviously, right? It goes Knicks first, probably, and then it goes 
Giants, G-Men, yeah. and then it goes the Rangers. It might even go less than that. About, no, I take that back. What am I kidding? It's the Yankees Yan- first. Yankees won. It's the Yankees first. Yes. It's the Knicks maybe second. It's the Giants after that, and then it's the New York Rangers. All right. So, yeah, let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers. Why not uh, without the Kings? Let's go Rangers. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again on Monday. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.